Good morning, church. Our theme for this year is following Jesus. Uh, in October and November, we have come into the last uh, part of this series, which is the book of Hebrews, Pressing On to Maturity. And so we've been working through this book, especially um, the warning passages, the five warning passages in the book of Hebrews. In our journey of following Jesus, uh, we drifting. Have our hearts gone cold? Is our spirit dull towards the Word of God? Or have we even despised God's Word you know, and, and not want to gather together uh, for worship? And so, we will continue in this series as we really go into the applicational portion of the book of Hebrews. So let us pray. Father, we commit this time to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you convict our hearts. As you open your Word, we will see Christ lifted up and you glorified. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Darlene Rose was a newly wedded bride when together with her husband Russell, they left for Papua New Guinea to be missionaries. Her husband led a small group into the jungle to make first contact with the tribal people. And then he wrote a letter back. In it, he shared, said, when we got here, the tribal people didn't believe we were human beings because we were all men and since there are no women, they said, ah, we have no mothers to give birth to us. And so we must be spirits and not human beings. And some of them even used arrows to shoot at us, you know, to see whether the arrows would pierce our bodies. Unfortunately, there were some soldiers who were with us. And out of self-defense, they shot some of the villagers. You know, when Darlene read to this, she prayed. She says, God, if you want this tribe to come to know you, there must be a woman among them. And let me be the first one. She prayed and she felt this overwhelming sense of peace. So immediately she ran out and argued with the mission director. And so very soon she was on her way to meet her husband. When she got there, the chieftain didn't believe that she was a woman. First, he rolled up her sleeve to make sure that she was really white all over her body. And he squeezed her flesh and he still didn't believe until she let down her hair. But to her, it was love at first sight. When she saw them, she regarded them as her own family. And so even though the, the, the ministry was challenging, but she always wore a smile and faced the challenges with courage and faith. World War II broke out. The Dutch had a, a ship to evacuate all the foreigners. But the missionary prayed, and they felt God assuring them. And so they stayed. Not one of them left. Three days later, they received news that the ship was torpedoed and everyone on board died. That was God protecting them. Because on the other hand, soon after this, March the 8th, 1942, the Japanese came to their island. So Darlene and her husband were separated. And the husband said to her, he said, Honey, remember, God will never forsake us nor abandon us. And that was the last time Darlene saw her husband. What she experienced during that time, she wrote in an autobiography titled, Things Not Seen. And as I read them, I, I asked myself this question, if I were to face challenging circumstances in following Jesus, would I press on or would I give up? We want to be a testimony at our workplaces. But maybe our boss wants us to do something outside of the lines. Now, do we compromise or do we press on to follow Jesus? 
we're looking for a life partner, but nobody's suitable around. So what do we do? Do we press on to believe that Christ is enough? Or do we try to do things based on our own wisdom? We come week after week to worship. We gather for DG meetings. We pray for one another. But along the way, we ask this question, what is the state of your heart at this moment? Are you drifting along? Have your heart grown cold? Is there disbelief towards the Word of God? Do we despise the Word of God? Do we forsake gathering together? So how do we press on to maturity? That is what I would like us to consider today as we look at Hebrews 11 verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 11 verse 1 to 3 tells us to press on, we need faith. And it, it gives us three aspects of this faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 to 3 shows us three aspects of a persevering faith. As we look at the book of Hebrews, we look at all the dangers and warnings that the author warned his readers. And from chapter 11 onwards, we look at faith, hope, and love. So the entire book really is about the superiority of Christ. The people at the time were turning away from their faith because of the challenges in life. And the author is encouraging them, don't turn back to, their old, to Judaism. Instead, remain faithful, persevere. So he says Jesus is superior to the angels, the prophets, to Moses, to the Old Testament. In chapter 11, 12, 13, it turns the page to say, then we follow with faith, hope, and love. How do we continue in our labor of love to encourage each other, to persevere? We must have that enduring hope. How do you have the hope? Chapter 11 tells us, you need faith. Faith helps you to see that hope. And hence, we press on, we persevere in love. So let us jump into the text. Faith that perseveres is a faith that gives a title deed to God's promises. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. After warning the believers not to turn away, he says, now you need faith. Faith gives us assurance of things hoped for. What is the meaning of assurance? The word is hypostasis. Stasis means stand. Hupo is that which you stand upon, which is a foundation. What gives us a foundation of our, of our faith, of our journey of following Christ? That's faith. Hypostasis is also a legal term in the Greco-Roman world. It refers to a title deed. Now, do you know it's a title deed? Not everything is electronic, so it's very hard for us to imagine what's a title deed. But back then, you know, when I was still working in the bank, one day, I got a call from a customer. They were having somebody, some family arguments. And you know, they have mortgaged this whole building to the bank, right? So they says, I want you to retrieve the title deed to check you know, whose name is on it. So, you know, I remember that night we couriered over a stack and stacks of brown old papers. And so we stayed, stayed the night trying to flip through looking for a title deed. And I asked myself, you know, why am I spending all the time looking at this old piece of broken, tattered torn of paper? Well, because a title deed gives us ownership over their building. So scripture is telling us that faith gives us the title deed of what God promised. You see the parallelism here. Assurance is the same as conviction. Things hoped for is like things not seen. It gives us an, a title deed to what God has promised, but more particularly that God has promised that Christ will come again. So do we believe that Christ will come again? Do you see that reality? 
Because it's only in seeing that we are able to persevere. Now, concretely, what kind of faith is that? Verse 1 to 3 gives us an introduction. And then, verse 4 gives us some examples. So, concretely, what, what kind of faith is that? Verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Cain and Abel offered sacrifices to God. Abel was a shepherd, so he offered a, a, a lamb. Cain was a farmer, so he offered produce from his land. God accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Why? Now, it's not because God is a meat lover and not a vegetarian, alright? Scripture tells us it's because Abel offered by faith. Abel gave the best. Verse 5 says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Enoch had an intimate relationship with God. His life pleased God and God took him. He didn't have to face death. Then he talked about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and become an heir of righteousness which is according to faith. It seems at the time, the people didn't know what was the rain. And so Noah is talking about a storm, a flood, and need a boat. They wouldn't understand, right? And so the people didn't believe. They were jeering at him, but Noah submitted. He built the ark. He warned them. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he has, he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. God told Abraham, follow me. And Abraham went. You know how long he waited for that land? His whole life, he wandered around the promised land, but he never owned, a, owned anything except a single plot for burying his family. He waited all his life and he didn't inherit God's promise. Isaac and Jacob, when Jacob died in Egypt, he wanted to go back to be buried in the promised land. Joseph, a prime minister of Egypt, he died and was buried there, but yet he told the descendants of Israel, one day you will leave this place. And remember at that time he was prime minister, Right? The Israelites were favored, or Hebrews were favored. They were not in slavery yet. And yet, Joseph said, one day you will leave this place and remember to bring my bones along. How long did they wait? All their lives. So what is the faith that gives us a title deed to God's promises? One that put God's, the Lord first, like Abel. There's intimacy with the Lord, like Enoch that submits to the Lord like Noah, that waits upon the Lord like Abraham. Now, do we have such a, a faith? You notice here, they say, by faith, they obeyed. By faith, they did something. So faith is not that you believe and you don't do anything. Every instance they mention, these people had faith, they had a response of obedience. Friends, we demonstrate our faith through obedience. So we cannot say that, I believe, I have faith, but in our lives, we are disobedient to God. That is not Biblical faith. Do we have a title deed faith? Scripture tells us, now someone said, no, the Bible has 8,810 promises. I don't know how he counted. Because the last time I said this, someone emailed me, can you tell me which 8,810? 
so I better clarify. Okay? I don't know, but the question is, how many promises have we cashed in? How many promises have we come before God and says, God, because you promise, I believe. You know, friends, it's difficult for us to face the future of uncertainty because we cannot see. Two weeks ago, I said, you know, we look at our geopolitical situation, the tensions are high, you know, recession and all kinds of uh, crisis that we face. How do we face the unknown? We must be able to see. There was a a lady called uh, Alice Gray. Her best friend, Laurel, had late-stage cancer and given only a few weeks to live. And she said, every time we meet now, we'll talk about heaven. But every time, we'll end in tears and hug one another. The most difficult part about this is we are unable to see what heaven is like. One day, we read a story about a 12-year-old girl who was born blind. She went through a surgery at 12 to help her see. But success of that surgery um, will take a while to know whether it's successful or not. After she removed her bandage, she had to stay in this dark room. And by the time she was really impatient, she, she peppered her mother with questions. You know, what does the sky look like? What does the grass look like? What is the scenery outside my window like? And finally, it was the day that she could stare out of her window. And she looked out, stared at it, and kept silent for several minutes. It was a beautiful spring day, blue sky, white clouds, green grass, the birds were chirping, the flowers were in full bloom. And then she turned to her mother in tears and she said, why didn't you tell me that the scenery was so beautiful? Now at this point, Alice turned to her best friend Laurel with tears in her eyes and she said, you know Laurel, right now you are just like this girl. You are sitting in darkness. But very soon, very soon you will see Jesus and you will be saying the same thing. Why didn't you tell me that heaven is so beautiful? The point of the story is that we must be able to see, then we can persevere. But how do we see? It's by faith. The whole book of Hebrews points to this. How do we persevere? Is when we have hope. We have hope. Friends, we have a different ultimate reality from others, you know? You believe that? that We believe that one day Christ will come again, that everything will pass away. What we are seeking is not of this world, but when Christ comes again in a new heaven and earth, and because we have a different ultimate reality, what we do in this life is different. The choices we make is different. And that is why we can press on by faith. Faith is to believe what we do not see and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. St. Augustine said this. Because we believe of this different ultimate reality, we live differently. First faith that perseveres is faith that gives a title deed to God's promises. Second is the faith that God honours and honours Him. That we pursue not just the end result But despite the result, the outcome, we continue to believe in the goodness and sovereignty of God. Verse 2, For by faith, men of old gain approval. What is this man of old? Not old people. Okay, It's referring to the whole list of the heroes of faith that he will list now. Abel, Enoch, and then Abraham, and he goes on to talk about Moses. 
And in verse 33, as he comes there, he talks about the judges and finally at 33 is sort of a summary. After listing concretely who are these people, he says, who by faith conquered kingdoms. Like who? Like, like King David. Perform acts of righteousness, obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, like Daniel and his friends. Right? Their, their faith is so powerful, you know, even the lion didn't bite them. Escape the edge of sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, referring to all the judges that he, he listed earlier. And then 34, 35 says, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Since women, because mostly were the men who got caught, you know, and killed. He says, some of them resurrected from the dead. It's like, wow, such faith. But on the other hand, he says, but there were those who didn't resurrect, but they obtained the better resurrection. I mean, which is better, resurrected from the dead or not resurrect? I mean, of course, we say, resurrect lah. I say, wow, big miracle. But scripture says they have received the better resurrection when they didn't, when they died. You see, God is too creative to do things the same way. We cannot say that because God healed me, God will heal you. Because God has answered my prayer in such and such a way, God will do the same for you. That's not true. There was once a couple, <clears throat> the wife was having end-stage cancer. And this pastor, he believed in the word faith movement. Basically, be positive, declare God's promises, rebuke all doubts, pray with great faith, and you will get the answer. So every week, this pastor will visit them, very hardworking, pray for them, rebuke their lack of faith, and eventually, the wife died. The husband asked, what went wrong? My wife's faith? My faith? The pastor's faith? Or God? You see, bad theology leads to bad choices, bad beliefs. Scripture doesn't say this. It says some resurrected, some didn't. And earlier it talks about Abel and Enoch, right? Both were righteous men, both were great faith, people of great faith. Abel was killed by his brother, but Enoch didn't have to face death. You see, faith that honours God is not faith that's dependent on the outcome of our prayers or what we want. It's despite and in spite of what happened, we continue to believe in the goodness and sovereignty of God. And Scripture continues to describe the people who suffered for their faith, who were persecuted. Then it says, Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in desert and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. People of the, that the world was not worthy. The world with all its kings and presidents and billionaires and famous people are not worthy of those who follow Jesus. I mean, what an honour, don't you think? One day when we face God, how would God talk about our faith? Would He say that your faith, you are one that the world is not worthy of? Or do we feel shortchanged? You know, we compare with others. I see this person, don't follow Jesus, but life is so good. You know, but my life is so trying. I've made so many different challenges. How would we respond? And who are these people, by the way? Talk about Noah. They're just ordinary people as flawed and sinful like us. Noah, once he got off the ark, he got drunk, right? Abraham lied about his wife being his sister because he was too beautiful. So he's afraid, you know, if people, the kings or, and Pharaoh and Abimelech wanted her, 
uh, they will kill him first. So he says, oh, no, 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 she's not my wife, she's my sister. Meaning, if you want her, take her, you know, nothing to do with me. I mean, the first time he lied, okay, we can forgive him. The second, he lied twice. The second time, he already knew, God told him specifically that the promised child come between him and Sarah. Meaning, by lying about Sarah, he's not just, you know, putting her life at risk. He's risking God's entire redemptive plan. But this Abraham. And then Isaac, you know, exactly did exactly what the father did. His grandson Jacob was a deceiver and liar, right? Lied to the brother, cheated the brother and lied to the father. He goes on to talk about Moses, who was a murderer, was angry, killed somebody and tried to hide, you know, his identity. Then there was David, the great king, the man of the God's heart, who was an adulterer, a murderer. So when you read this list, I don't know how you feel. It's like, Alamah, why, why these people, you know? Why did, in Hebrews 11, they only talk about the good things? Because of what comes next, he says, all these, having gained approval through faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What is this something better? It's Jesus. It's the new covenant. It's what the whole book of Hebrews is talking about. He's saying these old people, God approved them because they have faith, but it's not enough. Their faith is in what? It's in the one that's the promised one, the one who is coming, the Christ, who's superior over Moses, over the Aaronic priesthood, over the sacrifices. You know, when Jesus kneeled on the cross, friends, all our sins that we committed in the past, we are committing now, and that we will commit in the future, all forgiven. That is the heart of the gospel. That we believe by faith and we accept it. Now, I'm not saying that when we sin, there are no consequences. Of course there is, right? You get drunk at a bar, you get into a fight and your eyes get blinded. Then you repent. Say, oh God, sorry. God will forgive you? Yes. But will you get your eye back? Of course not. Our actions, our sins have consequences. But our relationship with God is not at jeopardy we can turn back because in the first place, we accept it because of Christ. So this is what the scripture is telling us. It's saying all these people, they have faith. God approved them. But you know what? They're waiting for something that's better and that's what we have. That is Christ. And so he's warning the, the, he, the readers of the book of Hebrews, don't turn away. Don't fall. Don't get discouraged. Persevere. The question is, friends, can we see can we see that hope that helps us to endure? So in my pastor's voice, I shared about Florence Chadwick, right? She couldn't make the 21-mile swim. Actually, she was only half a mile away. She said it was, if it was not the foggy day and she could see the shore, she would have made it. So you and I, I ask you, can you see that shore? That you will not give up in your marriage. You will not give up in following Jesus in your workplace. You will not give up the gathering of the saints. Give up in believing and trusting in God despite not having your prayers answered. Can you see? So faith that helps us to persevere not only gives us a title deed to what God promised, it's a faith that God honours and honours God, but finally, it gives us a spiritual perception that we can see we are able to see the unseen through the lenses of Christ. 
to know that ultimate reality for us is different so that we do not see like what others see. So what do you see? Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. This is the Verse 1 to 3 is the opening statement. Verse 4, he gives the concrete evidences, right? And 33 onwards is the summary. So, in his introduction, he says, we need faith. It gives us a title deed. And it's by faith, all these people were accepted by God. It's by faith that we see the unseen. That the world is not created by something, that something didn't, uh, out of something, God created out of nothing that there is a creator. And of course, the word of God, it refers to Genesis 1, and we know that it's Christ. So question is, what do we see? There was this story about a man who died and he went to heaven. And then he asked God, he says, God, why are you so unfair? All these bad things happen to your people that believe in you. And God said, you know, I give them free will. Some people chose to follow me, others do not. But unfortunately, they live all together, you know? And so, the actions of those who do not believe me sometimes impact the others. And the man says, what choice? I mean, look at, look at the guy, the guy born in that village. He didn't have a choice. You see, he's being beaten because he, he follows you. He's dying. And God had tears in his eyes and God nodded. And he says, but listen to what his muttering with his last breath, he's praying. He trusts me. And that is a choice. And then he told an angel to go pick him up while I prepare the banquet for him. And the author of the parable wrote, it says, the point is this, is that when we look at life, you know, and all these bad things happen, we, we say this is bad, but really, we are not God. We, we don't understand. We don't see from God's point of view. And so who are, are we to say that because all these bad things happen, God is not faithful? If we do not believe there is a creator, what kind of world is that? There's a famous author, Somerset Maccom, in his masterpiece classic of human bondage. He wrote about a young man who lost his faith. And a lot of experts who analyze his work believe that really he was writing about himself. Maccom was writing about himself. He lost his faith as a young person. He believed that once we die, there's no eternity, there's no soul, there's nothing. But he didn't realize the implications. Until one day, he was sitting in a park and a thought struck him. And Malcolm wrote in a book, he says, I realize I can live any way I can get away with. There's no such thing as right and wrong. All talk about right and wrong, love and cruelty and justice and injustice is crock. I can live any way I want. I'm completely free. Anything I can do that I can get away with, I can do. This reminds me of the army, right? Just do what you want to do. Just don't get caught. You know, a few sentences later, he wrote this. He says, but of course, I'll never be happy. See, to Macomb, he believes to be happy, there must be right, there must be goodness, there must be beauty, there must be love. But he realized this, if I don't believe in the Creator, if I believe that once I die, everything ends, then there's no true beauty. There's no true goodness because everything is relative, right? Something bad that happens to me really isn't bad. It's just I feel bad. And he realizes, you know, I'll be free, but I'll not be happy. And I realized, you know, for a long time, I lived by this philosophy before I came to know Christ. 
I will be, I'm not a bad person. I'll you know, generally choose good things. As long as I don't hurt people, I will do what I want to do that makes me happy. But the truth is, I'm, I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. Many times I blind spots. I hurt the people around me without realizing. I say as long as I don't hurt people, I will do. But truth is, I always hurt people. What is your philosophy towards life? Depends on what you see. Our ultimate reality. Do you believe that Christ is coming again? And if so, then what are the choices we choose when we face difficulties in our careers, in being a testimony, in choosing a life partner, in our marriage, in our, in our studies, in the choices we make? Friends, the question we have to ask is, do you have this faith that gives you a spiritual perception, that you see the unseen, that we see things that others do not see. That is why people live for this world. They want life on this earth. But for us, we're seeking for the better resurrection. You know, Darlene Rose in her book, um, Evidence of Things Not Seen, she described the conditions of the prisoner of war camp. You know, there was lack of food and lack of water. There are rats, all kinds of diseases. It makes matters worse. The commander, Yamaji, was a cruel man. But for some reason, he favoured her. You know, and so, one day, he called her into the office. His office, and he, he told her, he said, your husband just died. And knowing that she's a missionary, he, Yamaji tried to comfort her. He says, you know, I heard before he died, he, he helped a lot of people. And Darlene, in her book she wrote, she says, at that point, she didn't feel any hatred or anger towards Yamaji or the Japanese. And she told him, she says, I feel that it is by grace that I am here. In fact, I think God wants you to understand His grace. And so she shared the gospel with him. Yamaji teared up and he walked out. Apparently, years later, he became a Christian. Now, after this incident, shortly after, the secret police came and took Darlene away to another prisoner of war camp and interrogated her because they thought she was a spy. They locked her up in this little cell and she said she had malaria, dysentery, there was no medicine, she could only pray for God's healing. And at one point, she was so hungry, she saw people eating bananas. They are Papua New Guinea, right? They're eating bananas. And she prayed that God would give her bananas. Don't know how. The next day, Yamaji visited her. He says, don't worry, you know, I told them you're not a spy. I'm sure they'll release you soon. And after he left, he sent her 92 bananas. Now, why 92? You know, 92 days later, when Darlene finished the last already blackened banana, she was released. In the book, you know, there are many instances or testimonies that were quite amazing. But what really touched me was this statement she made. She said, you know, and I paraphrase, she says, if I look at the circumstances by my own eyes, there are no evidences of the presence of God. I don't see God. But if I look by faith, God is everywhere. When we look around our life circumstances, we look by faith. Then we see God. And that allows us to persevere. And so I ask you, what is the state of your soul now? Are you drifting? Have you gone cold? Is your heart hardening to disbelief? despising the promises of God and says, God is not faithful. God doesn't answer prayers. 
You know, years ago when I first went to f- study in the States, right, I told God right, very clearly, I said, my father, you know, they're hawkers. I'm the only child. If I go and quit my job, then God, you must take care of them. And you know, within six months, when I was in the US, my dad had a stroke and couldn't work. Since then, for the last 19, 20 years, okay, the whole family depends on me. And I told God, can't you at least wait three years? You know, at least let me finish. I can start, start working, you know. Why now? So the question I ask is, do I continue to press on to believe God is faithful and good? Or do I say, I forget it, you know, I don't believe. Or I go back to do my work. When we wrestle with infertility, there was the same question. It's like, why me? I'm only in my 30s, young and fit. It should not happen to me, right? Look at my neighbours. You know, they go for honeymoon, come back, they're pregnant, you know? Why? Do I continue to believe in the goodness of God? Do I have that faith? Or do I say God is not trustworthy? You know, when I come back from the US after 10 years, I told my wife, you know, we better sell everything we have there because if not, I won't last six months in Singapore. It was challenging, but again, when we face all the different challenges, the question I ask is, so do I believe that God is faithful? God called me back? Or do I say I throw in the towel, I'll just go back, you know, and move back there? And you know why I continue to persevere? It's because at the end of my life, when I see God, I don't want to tell God that, God, I have led a good life. I fulfilled all the goals I've set for myself. I've been a nice and kind person. I want to hear God say, you are one of whom this world is not worthy. When you face your maker, what do you want to hear him say? We can see by faith. Let us pray. Give us all some time to meditate in silence and to respond to the Lord in prayer. Perhaps like the believers of the book of Hebrews, we are drifting along. The dullness in our soul, even despising the word of God. Feeling, why should I gather in small groups every week? Why should I be serving God? Why should I be tithing? Why should I be faithful in my workplace, in my marriage? Friends, it's because we see a different ultimate reality. I'll just give us some time to respond to the Lord in prayer.